Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. This episode is brought to you by the GSD Academy. This step-by-step business productivity online program will share with you exactly how to shift your mindset, set boundaries, build rock-solid processes, customize your message in order to strategically grow your revenues and get shit done. Visit AngelaProfit.com slash GSD Academy. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And I'm super excited to talk with our guest today because I know how important it is to have analytics and data in your company. If you don't have any type of analytics or data set up, it probably should be the first thing you do before you go to bed tonight. And there's lots of different ways that you can do it, but I've learned the hard way that really making sure that you're asking the right questions and you have the right data points set up can really make or break your business from a profitability standpoint. And so today we're going to talk with Michael Lobin. He's the co-author of the Amazon best-selling book, ready for the, the subject, Crawl, Walk, Run, Advancing Analytics Maturity with Google Marketing Platform. And if you don't know what Google Marketing Platform or Google Analytics or Google Business Manager, or Google Ads Manager. Like there's so many things Google that I realize that not everyone knows a lot about. And so I'm super excited to talk with him today. Michael, thanks for being here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yay. So before we jump off and start talking about the good stuff, yes. tell us, how did you get into this? Like as a kid, were you always fascinated by numbers and data or was it something that you like worked into? So like, take us back and let us know your journey and how you got into where you're at today. Absolutely. So as a kid, uh, I really was not uh, much into analytics uh, or statistics uh, or, or math. <laughs> and uh, what got me into this and especially the evolution of uh, my role over the past uh, couple of years uh, was more around uh, understanding what uh, businesses and organizations that we work with need and how do we provide this to them. And um, about uh, eight or 10 years ago, working at InfoTrust, uh, we started to notice that uh, organizations are doing uh, really a great job uh, in many ways coming up with ideas, marketing messages, promotions, doing uh, some very interesting stuff on social media. But then the question would come up, so how did that work for us? And you would often get a blank stare. And uh, we thought, well, maybe there is an opportunity to do things uh, a little bit better, a little bit differently using data. And uh, on one hand, over the past 10 years, it seems like we've come a long way. But on the other hand, it feels like we are still in that uh, space of not quite knowing uh, what to do with uh, 
all the data that we have access to. And uh, to give you an idea, uh, we just uh, passed uh, through Black Friday, Cyber Monday, uh, and uh, every retailer has uh, big sales. Uh, every retailer runs a lot of advertising campaigns. Um, and we met uh, with uh, all of our uh, partners, uh, which are usually very large enterprises, run different advertising campaigns. And we met with a couple of them asking at the end uh, of the day, so how effective were those campaigns? And each one would tell us, well, we generated X number of revenue, we sold X number of products. And my next question to them, well, but what would happen to these customers over the next six to nine months? Do you think you just overpaid for short-term sales, maybe the ones that were not even profitable for your business because you ended up giving out uh, you know, products 50% off, 60% off. Was it really a good investment? Yes, you generated some buzz. Yes, you generated a spike in sales. But what happens in the next six to nine months? Did you just borrow sales that would naturally happen to your business and you overpaid for them? And not many organizations had a very concrete answer. Right, so that's uh, what I'm uh, often referring to when we say that, look, yes, there is more data. Yes, they are getting better at collecting the information. But I think we are still at early stages or some organizations are still at early stages of taking the data and determining are we making better, more informed, more profitable decisions using that data. And so many people, like you said, don't understand it. And so even one of our clients, um, they do large, large, large revenue and they literally want to fly by the seat of their pants, <clears throat> which I don't do. <laughs> I've learned the hard way. Don't do that. And so we've tried to, I call it potty train your brain. We've tried to potty train them. We've tried to do templates. We've tried to do all these things. And the owner of the company who pops on these calls sometimes, he's like, well, I just want to do this. And I just want to do that. And I don't like that image. And finally, like, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I'm like, this relationship is not going to work because you have all these data sets and all these points where we're pulling things from HubSpot. We're running ads on Facebook, we're running ads on LinkedIn. We're using Instagram. You're paying X amount of dollars to large firms ad agencies to mm -hmm. drive a hundred thousand plus users to your site weekly and your site you know the site wasn't set up correctly you know we were hired to like help them market online programs and then when I got into the back of, of it I'm like I, I can't market anything your your site's not set up appropriately you don't have keywords it's not optimized it's not set up oh by the way your analytics is owned by someone else like <laughs> it was just a mess and so, you know, we ripped it apart over the past few months and tried to put it back together. But I'm like, well, we need to look at the analytics and the data from all of the different systems that you're using. And we need to gather the data, run some reports, do some split testing before we dump 10 grand into a funnel. And he's like, what analytics? What are you talking about? What do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, do I need to screen share? I mean, you get these reports. But the bottom line is most entrepreneurs or we own multiple companies and we're so busy that we don't stop to pay attention. And that's like the worst thing you can do. Like I was one of those people too one time and I ended up wasting a bunch of money. So when people come to you, I get my question is like, how do you break it down so that 
people like he thought I was being he's like quit talking like are you saying words that I don't understand I'm like I'm not trying to anger you I'm just telling you what you think and what you want to throw money at and what results are going to come out of this in 30 days when you don't get the sales you want or the conversions and exactly what you said they don't think long term I'm thinking of a nurturing or branding and the nurturing and then start small. Let's not start with a 3000 product online for lead gen, you know, so how, what's your approach? And again, I'm never trying to anger anybody or like make them mad or talk over their head. But I find myself at times thinking like, I don't even know how to tell you this, but I'm not going to take your money and do what you're asking me to do because I already know it's not going to work. So what would your approach be to people like that <laughs> other than fire them? Well, I love uh, what you've mentioned, and uh, you know, truth be told, uh, everyone uh, these days uh, has to be very careful about where their time goes. And so, number of uh, conversations uh, where I see, look, there's just the person does not seem to be open to entertaining another approach or leveraging data to its capabilities. I've asked myself, is it really a fight worth pursuing? Because I know there are plenty of other organizations that understand already the value of data and that do not need to be spending hours and hours explaining why they need a dashboard that works and tells them exactly what to do and what not to do. But if there is a chance, right, and uh, the person that I'm speaking to is open uh, to alternatives, uh, I, I think the easiest way to persuade somebody is not for me to use my opinion or say, well, I wrote a book about it. That's not really how I, I, I do. That it's more, let's build a couple of quantitative models and see which one can deliver us more results. So let's say we have a website and we can bring uh, people to the website via social media traffic, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever that is. And we can uh, bring the uh, traffic to our website via running uh, let's advertising campaigns on, uh, on AdWords. And then uh, based on uh, my knowledge of the industry and uh, cost per click across different campaigns, I will build a mathematical model where I can present to the client and say, look, based on uh, my hypothesis is that based on what we are seeing, if you invest X amount of dollars in your social media, we're gonna generate this much revenue for your business. If you're going to invest X amount of revenue in your AdWords, we're going to generate this much revenue. It's never one or the other. So our hypothesis is that we should split your budget in the following ways. And we want to give ourselves 30 days to see if our hypothesis is accurate. And if not, then we can reiterate. And when we're able to present uh, to organization this type of quantitative model and explain based on what information I'm making, my building my hypothesis, it becomes much easier, right? Because yes, we can argue opinions. That doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, the question is, uh, how can we test my hypothesis, your hypothesis, and how can we figure out uh, which one will actually generate us more revenue, more profitability? That's how I tend to approach it. Totally. That's a much more calm approach <laughs> than me. I'm just like, yeah, it looks like... <laughs> Um, it's yeah, so it's crazy. So for major companies and even small companies that have been in business for a, a really long time, how can they, why should they consistently like look at their digital assets 
And then like, if, when would you recommend like undergoing like a digital transformation? Like, is that once a year or once a quarter? Like for people that don't do this on a regular basis, like what does that mean? And why should you do it as a, as a business owner? Well, let's uh, um, step back and ask ourselves, what is really digital transformation, right? If you talk about the digital transformation, usually, and we talk about this in a book quite a bit, we, we come uh, uh, to the idea of digital transformation usually because something has not been done for a while, right? We forgot to act on something for extended period of time, and now we have to come in and we have to transform, right? And that's why often you see enterprises hiring a digital transformation officer or head of a digital transformation. It means, okay, we see clearly see that there is an opportunity, possibly be a little bit behind it, right? Because you don't hire a transformation officer if you are ahead of the curve or if you are very much in line of what is going on in the industry. You don't need to transform, you're kind of already doing it. So that was my first question is, how do we know that we are actually falling behind and then my next question is, let's not try to compare ourselves to what other organizations are doing, but ask ourselves a question, what is our audience? What are our customers interested in? What do they need? What problems are they trying to solve? And then determine how we can use digital technologies to bring this to them. I think the challenge is uh, just let's go through the digital transformation process around is uh, why we end up with so many organizations uh, kind of saying we need to now go and sell directly online to our customers. Well, as a customer, do you need uh, yet another thousand of e-commerce websites that are selling what you can already buy on Amazon, on Walmart.com, uh, right? On Target.com? Probably not. So the question is, well, maybe digital transformation has to mean something different for us because our customers want something else. So to me, the ability for organization to transform digitally is all about how can we use digital technologies and certainly analytics to better understand what our customers is interested in and how we can deliver it to them in the best possible way. So I am, once that is done, once the organization is on track to doing that, I'm a much bigger fan of digital evolution. Right? How do we slowly progress and how do we continuously innovate in a digital space. Now, to answer your question more directly, how does the organization know that it's time for them to transform or you know, do we need to redo the website or not? That's a question that often comes up, right? Somebody has a website for two or three years and now should we rebrand, should we make changes to it? Well, if you've not made changes to your website over two or three years, that's the problem within itself, right? Why aren't we continuously improving our website? We have plenty of data about uh, what pages people are visiting, what content people are looking at, what information people might be requesting from us uh, through contact us forms. Right? What, uh, you know, if I'm uh, in uh, business of professional services, right? What questions are people asking on a podcast? Can I create more relevant content about this information and have it on my website and then promote it? Right? And then through these types of iterations, yes, you might every once in a while say we need more substantial changes to our website, but you will be much more um, 
in line with what your audience is interested in. You are not really going to fall behind. And if you look at websites like Walmart or Amazon uh, and many other uh, websites that are considered best in the class, you rarely go to the website looking at them asking yourself, what happened? It feels like a brand new website, like the one I've never been to. No, but they always, every single day, right, they make small tweaks, they make small changes based on what data is telling them. And they're always building hypotheses. Can I make this page show more products? Can I make this page show less products? Do I need the product carousel? Maybe I need to remove it. Maybe I need to show product carousel only to people that come to my website from advertising campaign. Right? So through those uh, intricacies or through those small changes is how we can actually make our website incrementally better. We have tried really hard to like keep ours up to date as we go. And then about every three years, it's like, okay, we're going to go through and do a rehaul, but we definitely monthly look at the analytics yeah. by page. And that's how we choose like what goes on our home, like your real estate, like your home page. So I feel like we use the data, you know, the right way to like put on the home page where you don't want to bury something on your website if people right. need it and want it, right? So I'm interested to know just myself more about leveraging Google marketing because, you know, I love Google Analytics. If the dashboard's set up correctly for what you need, sure. it's free. And I know that some businesses still don't really look at it because they don't know what they're looking at or they don't know how to read it. But even going further than Google Analytics, I know the Google marketing, like the whole platform has so many options. And I, I feel like even myself as a business owner, like it can be very overwhelming. But from a Google perspective, can you share more about what Google marketing platform is and what should business owners be paying attention to from the Google marketing platform? Absolutely. So, and in the book, we talk uh, to a great extent about uh, what Google marketing platform includes. But uh, if you are talking to a small to medium sized uh, business owner, uh, the first one is obviously Google Analytics, uh, which allows you to better understand what happens on your website, how it uh, performs. And I think the challenge of why people often do not look at Google Analytics is because it can be overwhelming, right? There are so many different data points and there are so many dashboards, there are so many charts. So the question that you need to ask yourself, what, are, what is the group of uh, metrics that is really important to me, right? If your website is all about content and uh, you have a regular blog, then the question is, what can I learn about my blog from analytics? What are people reading, what content uh, people are paying attention to what articles are they spending the most time on, what articles lead them to fill out a contact us form. So then you can make the decision, hey, I need to be producing more of this content or I need to be promoting this content online because I know that when people read this content, it leads to them contacting me or reading more content on my website, right? So we really need to focus on that set of metrics that is important to us. And uh, a lot of times organizations tend to obsess about a certain metric. Well, is my bounce rate uh, high or low? Is the time on the website high or low? And uh, to me, the answer is, well, you always want to look at the progress. So do not look at the absolute number, just look at how things are progressing over months, two months, three months. And that will give you an idea of how actually you are doing. 
The other solution within Google Marketing Platform that is also incredibly important uh, is Google Optimize, which allows you to do split tests on a website, which allows you to experiment uh, with website design and see what resonates with people before you actually make a permanent change. Got it. And certainly Google AdWords or uh, Google Ads uh, yeah, running uh, ad, ad campaigns. Uh, I'm a big proponent of running uh, campaigns uh, just to test your hypothesis on a website, right? If, for example, you're interested in launching a new product or a new service and you're writing a lot of new content on a certain topic, allocate some money to AdWords, to a very specific long tail keywords and see if people are clicking on that message and how that translates uh, to engagement on your website. So I'm not even familiar myself with what is the difference? So Optimize 360 and then Data mm -hmm. Studio, what exactly do those, what's the difference between sure. all of them? So 360 within Google Marketing Platform means if the product is enterprise or paid solution, or if it's a free one. So Google Analytics is a free product by Google. Mm -hmm. There is also Analytics 360, which is an enterprise version of Google Analytics that uh, has an investment associated with it. You have Google Optimize, which is an A-B testing solution. And then you have Google Optimize 360, which is a paid solution that has uh, more features, uh, more enterprise features. And Google Data Studio, uh, it's a dashboard, it's a visualization. Uh, platform. So you, it automatically integrates with, for example, Google Analytics and other platforms, and then you can better visualize your data. But I would say companies that should be looking at Google Data Studio are the ones that have already used Google Analytics, have already set up some reports and are accustomed to looking at the data. Otherwise, uh, you might uh, fall into this trap of trying to build a perfect dashboard without uh, uh, building a skill of how to actually interpret the data and figuring out what to make with that. Got it. So are some of these better for service-based businesses versus a mid-retail? And when I say mid-retail, I mean like a a gym membership or like, I don't know if you know what pure sweat float is, but it's sure. like this new place, you know, where it's like a membership and mm -hmm. you can go there and, um, you know, you can, you can go and become a member to get blowouts at a certain place yes. versus like a Walmart and an Am, mm -hmm. you know, like the really large. And so what is best for service-based versus like the membership, smaller retail, and then like the larger retail, like, does that matter with the different products? Not from Google Analytics, so service-based business or small retailer can all benefit from Google Analytics. Uh, and enterprise uh, such as Walmart, Nordstrom, Macy's, uh, they will probably need Google Analytics 360 for the advanced functionality that that product uh, uh, offers. But uh, if you're, for example, a small gym uh, or a membership website, uh, Google Analytics has e-commerce reporting. So you can actually see all product sales on your website. You can even see profitability by product on your website. You can measure return on advertising spend right within Google Analytics, and you only need a free version. You do not need an enterprise version. And uh, Google Data Studio, uh, it doesn't really matter if you're a services business or e-commerce business for you to use it. 
I would say it more depends on your analytics maturity and how comfortable are you with actually using analytics solution. And again, my first step, if the person who is listening maybe to this podcast has not played with analytics, uh, is not in this uh, daily habit of looking at the data, Google Analytics reporting should be sufficient uh, to get you started. And then you can certainly build and customize a lot more reports and the interesting dashboards within tools like uh, Google Data Studio. And Google Optimize, again, the same. It's an uh, A-B testing. It's a testing solution for your website, for your digital property. Uh, doesn't really matter if you're an e-commerce business or if you're a professional services business, you can still use it. But you do need to have a certain amount of traffic on your website. Otherwise, the results are just not going to be very meaningful or statistically significant. Awesome. So you mentioned Google AdWords. What is the biggest mistake that you see business businesses that would make an investment in Google AdWords? What's the biggest thing that you see that is just a mistake? Like don't waste your money and don't use AdWords unless you set it up right and look at your data. <laughs> I know that. Right. But do you find that people are kind of wasting money and throwing money away like or if someone wanted to run google or use google adwords what are like the top three mistakes you see that they should make sure that they're not making those mistakes well for me wherever i'm looking at uh, analytics behind a certain campaign or wherever somebody is asking me how can you help us evaluate the success of this campaign my first question is well what are we trying to learn from here because a lot of times uh, companies uh, are trigger happy to run an advertising campaign. But what determines the success of this campaign? Even if it did not uh, result in 100 sales, but you learned something and now you understand, hey, this message does not resonate. I need to go with a different type of message. That's an important thing that now you understand. And maybe it is wor was worth paying for. And so to me, wherever you're about to spend money on an advertising campaign, Obviously, the first one is, what do you want to measure as a result of this campaign? And the second one is, what do you want to learn from this campaign? And uh, I would say the last uh, mistake uh, is uh, when uh, people are playing with that and uh, do not um, allocate uh, budget that they can actually afford to lose. And what I mean by that is if you have not used, let's say, Facebook advertising or Google advertising or any other platform and you want to experiment, give yourself a budget and say, look, I can afford to spend thousand or two thousand, three thousand dollars to learn this and to see kind of what happens. And then play with this amount, obviously, or hire somebody who can do that for you and see what you can learn. A lot of times companies will say, I just burned through $5,000. That was my advertising budget for six months. Well, then probably this was not the right channel for you to leverage, right? Maybe you should have went the other uh, route or maybe you should look at the cheaper uh, ways to get uh, your message out. Uh, maybe look at more organic type of way to drive your traffic uh, to the website. Awesome. Well, what it all comes down to, at least in my experience, what I see is the, the, the business owners or entrepreneurs, they don't really understand that there has to be a strategy. Yes. And like you said, you have to ask these questions where people will come to us and say, uh, can you set, can you, 
I want to be number one on Google. I can you, you know, do this and do this and do this. I just want a lot of hits to my website, or I just want to be number one from Google. But then I'm thinking, okay, well, let's set it up so we track it and what's converting. And some of the things that I have found is that before we even will take on a client and and help them with some of these stuff is you have to don't spend the money and run AdWords to a shitty site that's confusing your prospect client or customer or, or whatever you want to call it. So do you have like a checklist for people that before they start to even think and Facebook ads are the exact same way. They're like, can you run me an ad? I want to make some money in my sleep. And I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know who you've been listening to, but the shit don't work like that. Um, and you have no data and you have no landing page and your homepage has 13 call to actions. Like they don't understand the behind the scenes of it. So it's like, do you have a checklist like in your head of like, okay, you need to make sure that you've done this, you've done this and you've done this before you start to run ads. Uh, right. That's, that's a great, great question. I'm so happy that that's how you approach <laughs> this, uh, this with your clients. Uh, um, look, I'm not a pay-per-click expert, right? Mm-hmm. I do not run an advertising campaigns. So I look at it from the data analytics standpoint. And as such, uh, you know, when somebody wants to run a campaign, I want to look at uh, what, give me your template for data, right? I'm almost, how would you want to report on this? And what are your hypotheses in terms of what this campaign will generate? So I want to see the math that went into planning this. How many clicks are you expect to buy? How many visitors do you plan to get on your website as a result of that? And what will be, let's say your conversion rate. And then I want to see how those assumptions were made and then uh, if we run the campaign, did we meet those assumptions or did we exceed them or did we fail miserably? And we ended up not meeting what we were hoping to accomplish, but what can we learn as a result of this, right? So for me, I always want to look at uh, how did we arrive at this decision and how are we going to validate this decision? Because otherwise, to your point, it becomes very much a debate of opinions well, I want to promote this, or I want to use this banner, or I want to use this banner. And my answer is like, all of you are absolutely right. All of these banners are amazing. So let's determine how we can test which one is going to work. And then the one that's going to work is the one that we're going to double down on. It's it's just so true. So for all of you listening, which we'll put this in the show notes, like InfoTrust is, is your company. And so it says better, it's very clear, very clear, better data, better decisions. How did you arrive at that header for your website? Did you use data? Yeah, yeah well, it wasn't easy. We definitely tested uh, different uh, ones, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, we are always, uh, when we meet with our partners and we meet with our clients, um, and uh, you know, they actually, it's an interesting time of year because we have uh, annual reviews uh, planning for next year. Uh, when we do annual plans with our partners, we always are uh, aiming to learn from them. So you know, data doesn't just mean to the website, data means also ask people that you work with, right? 
So we often ask them, you know, why did you decide to work with us in the first place? Uh, uh, what should we be learning uh, from the industry in your opinion? Right? Uh, what are the other partners that you work with that we can learn from? And uh, you know, when we ask uh, our partners about ultimately, so what exactly are you buying uh, when you're working this InfoTrust? Because there are many organizations that can set up your Google Analytics, right? It's not really a proprietary knowledge that we have. Yes, there are certain things that you do arguably much better than others, technically speaking, but at the end of the day, Google Analytics is Google Analytics. And uh, it often comes down to, well, you help us make better decisions easier. And because if you are running uh, advertising uh, or if you work for a very large marketing company and uh, your budgets are millions of dollars a month, you do not want to be the person standing in a boardroom trying to explain how you managed to lose a million dollars or why for the budget that you were given, right? You did, uh, you underperformed. So our goal is to use analytics uh, to give uh, people the clarity of what is the best channel where they should be investing and how to get the best ROI. It's fascinating. It's so fascinating. So for companies that need to be aware, and let's just assume that people listening do not know what some of these acronyms, acronyms are mm -hmm. about non-compliance fines, which is funny. It's actually been like a theme for today. <laughs> and for GDPR and CCPA, yes. like, can you explain those and how can companies make sure that they are in compliance? Sure. So the short answer, uh, there's a lot of content uh, that we have on our website that people can check out and certainly in the book. Uh, GDPR, uh, especially CCPA, uh, California Consumer Privacy Act, um, I would say in many ways are the results of some organizations mistreating customer data and uh, using the data that they collect about their customers in a way that customer did not know about no wanted to, right? No gave the uh, authorization to. Uh, it really comes down to asking for permission to collect information, then treating the information the right way, not sharing it with uh, parties where your uh, customer does not give you permission. And uh, when customer is inquiring about uh, the data that you should provide this data to, to them as far as what you know about them. And there are different, there's also a privacy. There are very number of different regulations and more and more regulations are coming. One thing that we know, especially this year, is uh, that more regulations are going to take place, helping uh, customers to protect uh, their privacy online. Uh, if you're a small to medium organization uh, and check out some of the resources, uh, it's not uh, for a small and medium sized company, it's not expensive to, to become compliant but you absolutely have to be mindful of this. You know, until recently, small businesses would say, well, they are probably not the ones that are going to be targeted. And you generally do see that if there's new regulations, uh, regulators tend to go after large enterprises uh, to make an example, right? But at some point, uh, uh, everyone will have to comply, right? And uh, you do not want to use the language well, but they're doing it worse than I am. <laughs> so get the basics right. And at the end of the day, it's not just about regulations and being compliant. It's about doing the right thing 
for your customer, right? It's showing them respect and uh, helping them uh, and explaining to them, look, we are doing the right thing here with your data and customers will certainly appreciate that. Yeah, it's crazy to me because, you know, from, I do so much technology consulting and mainly with Apple products and people don't realize <laughs> when you get a new iPhone and you turn it on and you put your Apple ID in the, what you, what you're allowing and opening yourself up to. And most people don't care until it starts to affect them. And I will never forget. I was teaching an OTT class, um, on advertising maybe two or three years ago. And no one knew what it was. No one like in the audience. I'm like, how many of you, you know, and I'm like, how many of you have Hulu or Roku or streaming devices? And, you know, most of everyone, I mean, there are hundreds of people in the crowd and they were shocked when I said, um, okay, pull up this. We did a test. It was so funny. I'm like, pull up this form and I'm going, you want something from me. And I'm going to give it to you from your phone. So put this code in and, you know, there's a little checkbox that you have to check before I'm going to send it to you. And, you know, you put your first name, last name, lead capture thing. But this was just to make a point where all of these platforms do this and no one, maybe someone like you, <laughs> goes and reads the terms and conditions of what you're allowing. And then they get mad when they're like, well, fa Facebook didn't tell me that they were going to every page I like, every TV show I like, every product I like, every ad I click on, every, because they're not marketers, they don't understand the back end of it. And so when people ask me, I'm like, oh my God, I love, I love the shit because it helps us target and use the data to better help our clients and spend their money in a smart way and not a stupid way. But companies are, they're really, I don't want to say slimy, but like slick and like just sliding it in there. But is there any type of regulations where the larger companies like Google or TikTok or Facebook are able to like break it down into English, you know, in a little pop-up that says, hey, if you check this box, like, we're going to sell your shit, like whatever you're doing on your phone. But I, I don't think the average consumer walks around because they're not marketers. They don't think that way. And then even like as a consumer, you know, I have Alexa, I have all the, all the stuff. I love all the tech stuff. And I'm talking about a car and then, you know, ads start popping up on my phone. Well, I'm considering getting it anyway. So I'm glad that the ads are being tailored to me. I would rather see Absolutely. a Porsche and a Tesla than a Ford. I'm not going to fucking buy a Ford. I might buy a Tesla. I might buy another Porsche. I don't know. But I'd rather it be tailored to me as an advertiser because it, why not? Like, I just, I don't understand like what the big deal is. So, it, but is there any protection from the consumer, from these larger companies, like taking their data and doing something with it? And then the consumer acting like, well, I didn't know they were going to do that. Like it's in their current terms and conditions, right? Absolutely uh, correct. Uh, and that's the question, right? 
not who is to blame per se, but you know, when we all benefit from, hey, Facebook is free, right? YouTube is free and uh, many other websites, Instagram is free. Right? You, you have to ask yourself, well, what does really free mean? There's some kind of way how these organizations are able to hire thousands of people. Yahoo, right, this is free. Well, obviously there are some paid services, but Yahoo, let's say .com, it, it, it's free. So the question is, well, how do they make money? Well, arguably one of the big channels of revenue is advertising, and it's not good or bad, right? Good advertising can help us as customers make good decisions or really help us at the right time remind me maybe this is the right type of product for me so it's not right or wrong but it does come down to the question i think especially for the organization in the longer term which one can do it better and can do it the right way and uh, right now if you go to the website there's a privacy policy there's a cookie policy uh, at the bottom of the uh, footer so you can learn that information but I've done an experiment and I wrote a blog post about it. Uh, I went to websites of about 10 major retailers and as part of CCPA, uh, I can request uh, for them to send me information that they have about me. And uh, some, the form <laughs> didn't even work the right way. When I filled out the form, uh, some said, uh, we're gonna contact you at some point. Like the customer service behind it was just poor. And when I started to get emails, uh, one would tell me you are not based in California, we don't have to send you anything. One would send me some partial information, right? One didn't even give me a comprehensive information. They just sent me information, all my data in email with a very poor format. And, and yeah, I did not want to take screenshot and publish all of that online because that's not really the role that I play. I do not want to shame those organizations, but uh, I think there is a, a learning opportunity here that right now we are looking at this as what is absolutely the minimum thing that we need to do to be compliant. And that's probably not the right question long-term. The right question long-term is what should we do for our customers to put their mind at ease and uh, use our privacy policy, use uh, how we treat their data and how we treat their information has almost competitive advantage because at some point, right? Until recently, customers, to your point, didn't really care, right? I go to the website, they ask me to give me an email, I give them my email. But at some point, customers will start asking, well, what am I really getting out of this? Is it really worth the exchange? Yeah, I found a lot of, and, and even larger companies that it's like at checkout, they're like, do you want us to email the receipt or print the receipt? And I'm like, well, I'd rather you just email it because I don't like paper. Right. And, you know, so they have to have your email address and that's all they use it for is they send me a receipt. And then sometimes I get put into some type of a campaign or sales, you know, but typically they have to ask, would you like to receive emails for this? Would you like to receive emails for that? I still think that people or not not people, but just organizations don't really take the time to map out the customer journey and how can they best leverage the customer journey and the data. And it's not something that you sit down and find out overnight. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to me. So last question, which you may not have any thoughts on this, but I 
have had a lot of fun on TikTok since quarantine. I thought it was a kid's yes. dancing app until I had to bribe my nieces to like do their schoolwork and shut up so I can work. And then I'm like, okay, three hours equals three TikToks. I'm not even being funny. And then I started to look, I, I started to look more into the back end of the business model that they have and what they're doing with some of their, like the, the sway house and the hype house, mm -hmm. and like the business models behind these, which is freaking brilliant. And then my mother, so I got my, my mom's like, well, I want to see the cute videos of the kids. And so I get her an account and she doesn't post on it. She just needs an account to, you know, follow Absolutely. all the kids and the grandkids. And then she sees a Dateline episode where all, and, and she's like, oh my gosh, did you know that the Chinese are taking our data? And, and I was like, mom, <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you that there's more shit on Facebook about you and your advertising than the Chinese will care about. And I don't think that we're in any type of situation or we're doing any illegal U.S. deals with foreign companies that you need to be worried about for Chinese get gathering your phone data. Like, what? And so do you have any thoughts on that? Like, so TikTok just came out with the ad platform. Like, me and a team member went through and, like, got TikTok certified. And, uh, and it's still new. And we're learning from it. But what are your thoughts on it? I really don't have many. And the reason I say that um, I can't comment on their policy, I've observed the TikTok. I certainly read the, all the news and I see how some organizations are beginning to use it. I'm not uh, using TikTok myself. Uh, so I do not want to, you know, give it information that might not be accurate. Uh, and, you know, the opinions that I might have about the platform, but I just don't have enough data. And as you can imagine, that's my background. I like to comment on things when I have data and information. So probably totally. not the right question for me. <laughs> well, it's just, so when, when this happened, this just happened, I just yeah. got done listening to a book um, called Trust Me, I'm Lying, A yes. Master Negotiator of Media Manipulation, mm -hmm. which from working with clients in the public eye, like I've just seen so many lies and skewed and, you know, whatever. You, you can't believe everything you hear or read or see or whatever. And so just coming off that book and then listening to her, I'm like, you do know that the media manipulates things. <laughs> so uh, until it's like affecting me or hurting my company, right now it's helping my company. That's right. I mean, that that's all that I know. And then... I was either listening to a podcast or reading a book. I can't remember. Do you know the Target story where the this 16-year-old little girl got something in the mail from Target, yes, right? Yes. Was that a book? I can't remember. Uh, it was a case study. Uh, okay, okay. Was, uh, when parents got uh, yeah. a promotion for their daughter about something that had to do with pregnancy and yep. they lashed out and then they realized that she actually was pregnant. Right. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, Target is brilliant. But it's like, that's how they found out that their teenager was pregnant. And I'm just like, but then, yeah, they lashed out at Target. But I'm just, I'm still wondering, you know, I go back because I worked in healthcare. I'm like, so did the OBGYN office, you know, I'm always thinking like, how did we use different email addresses for different things very strategically? And sometimes I'm like, how in the hell did this email get delivered to this email address? Because I only use this specifically for this. So then I know someone's selling something and I didn't give permission for that. 
So I just, I find it very interesting. I mean, most people probably wouldn't do that, but I'm a little psycho about our, our email deliverability and then being productive with like what emails are going where. And it's, you know, some people, when, whenever I was listening to it, they're like, oh my God, this is so scary. And I'm like, no, this is real life. And the truth is she was pregnant. She just hadn't gotten around to telling her parents, I guess. But like, you should just be a truthful person. And then if you're a truthful person and you're not doing things you shouldn't be doing online, then how can you get in trouble, right? I mean, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> uh, it's a great uh, debate. Yes. Right, right. It's fun. It's, it's fun to see like how people look. Is the glass half empty or half full and anyway so if people want to connect with you where is the best place for them to go and connect with you sure uh, the easiest is probably our company website infotrust.com uh, on amazon you can also find our book uh, by searching uh, crow walk run or going to infotrust.com slash book and on linkedin uh, my profile is fairly easy to find uh, michael Robin. Awesome. And we'll put all those links in the show notes. This was super fascinating. Thank you so much for all of your insight and for being here today. Thank you. Awesome. And everybody that's listening, uh, make sure you have analytics hooked up. That's the first thing. And if you don't know how to read the data or set up a dashboard, like Michael said, there's a ton of resources on their website. We'll link it in the show notes. And thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening and have a great week. I'll catch you next Tuesday on another episode of Business Unveiled. Bye. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights. And I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember, the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.